people and performers. I'm Rachel Cassidy, an injury prevention specialist who works in whole person health and wellness, as well as injury prevention for performing artists. Welcome to Art in My Heart, a podcast where we will talk about all things wellness for performers, along with whatever other random things come out of my mouth for better or worse. So dealing with what it means when I say the the term whole person health for whole person health and wellness. And I feel like this is important because it gives us um, this much broader view of health or much broader view of wellness than kind of some of the toxicity within our societal based view of health and wellness or kind of diet culture health and wellness holds for us. And so it's going to kind of serve as a few different things. First, it's going to give us a base mutual understanding of what I'm personally referring to when I use those terms in upcoming spaces. So if you see things on my social media or you come to future classes or workshops or you listen to things on the podcast, this is kind of going to set us all up for this foundational mutual understanding of what I'm saying. It is so important for us to really understand and recognize how many things go into our state of health or into our state of wellness. And I'm hopeful that kind of going through this massive amount of information is going to kind of open our eyes to a few different things. So one might be how much healthier, quote unquote, we really are than maybe we previously considered ourselves, right? Often, if I were to say to a client, where where are you asking me to help you shift your health? Things like nutrition and fitness are going to almost always across the board be the major two things that people bring up. And while you will notice that they are a part of our physical health space, what I'd really love for you to notice is how many things fall under our physical health space and how many other aspects of health there are. And so while how we fuel our bodies and how we move our bodies is important to our overall health or wellness state. It is not the only part of our health or wellness, and it is also not necessarily the most important part. This may also open your eyes to places that you could maybe more easily shift to experience life with more ease or your or a feeling of more health for yourself if that is something that you personally find important for you and you might be able to find things to that you could shift with less overwhelm than maybe you previously thought or a space that you never really considered to be a part of your health that feels like it it might be an important place to start with some of your first focus. So I work under the five pillars of health as they are stated within the Alexander Technique. So the Alexander Technique is a a technique that was created by Frederick Alexander, and it's a posturing technique for performers, and it takes into account kind of all areas of our health and wellness and how they impact our posturing, and then also how to posture without tension. 
So how to bring your body into proper alignment without creating tension. So while I define or kind of use these five pillars of health as defined by the Alexander Technique, I have also kind of taken some of these and added some things, maybe as I think that they also pertain to performers or the general public, but also maybe some things that have come up since this technique was founded. So the five pillars of health under the Alexander Technique are physical, mental, and I think I think the Alexander Technique actually refers to mental health under like psychological health. So physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, which I often call relational health, and your spiritual health. So the five pillars of health are physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual. And I would say that there is also a sixth pillar of health that is very important to consider for everybody, but also very, very important to consider as a performer. And that is your financial health. We know if you are a person who has ever lived without money, you know how difficult and stressful money and financial struggle can be. And so I do take financial health into consideration in my work individually and in other spaces, but it's not something that I go into into depth with because it's not something that's within my expertise and not something that I consider myself an expert in helping people shift health-wise. So I do want you to be considering your financial health and we are going to cover it. I'm going to bring up some of the aspects of financial health um, during this class. But you should also seek out professionals that can support and help you in that space. And I would encourage you to do it in a way that doesn't expect you to pay people an outlandish amount of money if that is already something that is giving you some discomfort and anxiety. So we're basically going to go through this in an awfully listy sort of way. Um, First of all, because I am a list lover, but also because I feel like kind of just ticking off the things that kind of fall under these spaces is the easiest way to go about it. And Please remember too that all of these are not exhaustive. So there's there are other things that probably fall under these spaces that I may have missed, but this is kind of just to start getting you to think in these kind of broader aspects of what health means for you versus maybe what you considered health to encompass before this information. So our physical health includes physical rest. It includes how our body is functionally capable of supporting our movement in daily lives, meaning is our body able to perform the physical tasks necessary to help us do the things that we have to do in whatever way we live our daily lives, whatever that means for you in your work, in your personal life, in your relationships and everything else. Can my body support the tasks I perform with it every day. Physical health includes how our bodies function internally, 
how do our organ systems function? How is our digestion? How is our blood flow? What is our cardiac health, respiratory health? All of those aspects, all of the ways that our body functions internally, our hydration, our nutrition, our physical movement during the day. Do we seek medical support when we need it? Meaning, if you fall and break your arm, do you go to the doctor in ER and have it set so that it can heal in a way that will best support you moving forward? It takes into consideration our present and our past injuries. So any injuries you currently are dealing with, any injuries that you previously had, it includes how past injuries have healed and the physical trauma that we experienced with those injuries. Did the injury heal in a way where it doesn't impact our daily life? Or do we live with pain or weakness or tightness or scar tissue or things like that in those spaces? It takes into consideration our present and past diseases and illnesses. And then again, it takes into consideration how we've healed from past illnesses or diseases, and if they've had any long-term impact on our health. Our physical health includes the way we support our bodies when we get sick. If we start to feel ourselves getting sick, do we do things to kind of support our physical rest, how we're nourishing our bodies, how we are stressing our bodies or are we reducing the stress in our lives physical mental emotional all the all of the ways stress impacts us right so are we how how are we supporting our bodies kind of as we maybe feel them getting sick how do we support our bodies when we get sick do we stay home at re and rest and take care of ourselves do we push through our illnesses and expect our bodies to continue to function like they do normally right? So our physical health also includes the state of our immune systems. Our physical health includes the way we train our bodies and prepare them to the, do the work we expect from them. If you do physical activities for your work all day long, how are you training your bodies to be able to support you in doing those tasks without injury or while reducing our risk of injury? right? It includes the way we pay attention to any upcoming new demands on our bodies and how we support and train our bodies in being ready to perform for those demands. So if you know that you are going to be taking on a project that makes your body do something it doesn't normally do, are you changing your training to make sure that your body will be supported to be able to do those things when it's called upon to do that? Our physical health also includes our recovery efficiency after physically demanding activities. So how quickly does your body recover? How efficiently does your physical body recover? How does your heart rate come down? How does your respiration come back to normal? How do your muscles recover and rebuild? So remembering that activities of daily living and your work tasks and the things that you need to be able to perform with your body every day are different for everybody. And our physical health also includes if you are in need 
of some sort of physical support aid or physical movement support through an aid, are you using it? If you need a walker, are you using it? If you need a cane, are you using it? If you need a wheelchair, are you using one? So it includes making accommodations for our physical bodies as is necessary to support us to be able to live our lives with as much ease as possible and with our health at, at the capacity that it can be for our current life, um, if that is something you have chosen to be important to you. So those are kind of a majority of the things that are encompassed by our physical health. Moving on, we get to that mental and psychological health space. And this kind of includes at the base level, our thoughts, our psychology, our brain function. So to break those down kind of even a little bit further, mental health includes the way we think about things. It includes our mindfulness in life, but also the mindfulness of our thoughts. It includes our ability to decide whether or not to participate with our thoughts, meaning if a thought comes into our minds, do we follow it down a whole string of other thoughts, whether it's beneficial to us or not? So our ability to choose what we're going to participate with. Mental and psychological health also includes the openness of our minds. So the openness of our minds to learn new information or take in new information and adjust our beliefs based on that new information. Our mental health includes all areas of our mental health as it pertains to our ability to cope with things. So coping with things like stress, anxiety, panic, discomfort, depression. And I, I want to remind you that this is in the, the space of kind of general mental health. So remembering that if you have an extenuating mental health circumstance, how we say these things might not pertain to you, right? So if you have something that you need extra support, to function through that is that is different than just kind of a base level regular coping of some of these things our mental health as it pertains to being able to experience joy and happiness and pleasure all of your mental health aspects as it pertains to you being able to understand and recognize your personal worth your personal value outside of having to earn it so knowing that you hold value and worth simply because you are a person who exists mental health refers to any mental disorders any neurodiversity your brain patterns it includes the actual physical and cognitive health of our brains so that includes if you've had any traumatic brain injuries and how you've recovered from those and how your brain was impacted by that your ability to exercise your memory your ability to recall information it includes our ability to control ourselves in not participating with outdated or untruthful stories about ourselves. So if somebody told you something about yourself when you were younger and growing up, being able to recognize as an adult that that is not a truth about you. And just like our physical health includes seeking out physician care 
when we are ill or injured. The state of our mental health also includes us seeking out mental health professionals when we need extra mental health support. So understanding that this is not an all-encompassing view of our mental health, but recognizing maybe some of the things that we that we might not immediately go to when we consider our mental health, then those would maybe be things like our memory and our ability to recall information, our ability to memorize, which of course we know as performers, very important to the health of ourselves and our ability to do our work healthfully. The next space of our health is our emotional health. And if you know me, you know that I talk a lot about emotional health, feeling our feelings, which I know kind of like sometimes is, what does that mean? And that's just our ability to feel the physical impact and things that uh, happen in our bodies when we have emotional experiences, right? But today we're just going to talk about before, before I exit my, the safety of my notes and I go on a tangent and you learn why I can't be trusted without any notes, um, we'll just stick to the, the basics today about our emotional health. And what I will say is remembering that our emotional experiences exist in every lived experiences we, ha we have, and that includes experiences that seem like they are only attached to another area of health or maybe only take place within another pillar of health, like having a physical impact that always holds an emotional impact. And it includes understanding that we're having an emotional experience, whether we have the ability to connect to it or feel it or recognize it, our bodies are experiencing the impact of our emotions, even if we are not connected awareness-wise to our emotions. So under our emotional health falls things like empathy. So your ability to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else, your emotional awareness, which would be realizing you're having an emotion or that you're having an emotional experience, your emotional intelligence. So that would include things like, I know what emotion I'm experiencing right now. Or your ability to, as we say, kind of read the room, right? Understanding or being able to become aware through the other person's cues, their emotional experience or how they might be feeling. Your emotional maturity, which is um, like I'm able to regulate my emotions in a healthy way, or I'm able to regulate myself even when other people are having an emotional experience in my presence. And emotional maturity also includes like I can express my emotions in a healthy way. So in a way that doesn't harm the person I'm expressing them to. And I would say kind of immediately after that comes your ability to be in the presence of having of be in the presence of someone having an emotional experience without feeling the need to control it, fix it, or without trying to negate them, tell them that that's not that's not necessary. Oh, you don't have to feel sad. Oh, don't feel badly. Or um, as parents, I feel like this one comes up a lot for people, which is, oh, don't cry. No, let the person cry. You work on your ability to sit comfortably in somebody else's 
potentially uncomfortable emotional experience. And that includes the person not being comfortable. But if we create an environment where people don't feel like they have to regulate our our emotions by silencing their emotions, everybody is more emotionally healthy and well. So our, our emotional health would also include how we process and cope with our emotions and emotional experiences, right? Do we provide time for ourselves to be allowed to genuinely sit in our emotion, to allow ourselves to feel the thing, um, to process, to allow our body to do its physiological process of processing those emotions out of our bodies. It includes understanding yourself, understanding how your past experiences might impact you now. So that includes things like knowing and understanding your emotional triggers, right? That includes having a mind-body connection, which for some people can feel really dangerous. And then we remember that part of our mental and it really does encompass our emotional health as well, is seeking out that professional, a professional space of support, right? So going to somebody who can help you understand how to feel safety in your body, being able to recognize the sensations in your body that are connected to emotions and feelings. So I can feel my heart racing, or I have a knot in my throat, or I have, you know, an uncomfortable heaviness in the pit of my stomach, or I'm kind of feeling a cold sweat, or I'm breathing really quickly and shallow. So kind of understanding what those sensations feel like. Your ability to recognize that your emotions and feelings are completely valid, no matter how or when somebody has tried to invalidate you. So also your ability to recognize that your emotions and feelings are valid, but not necessarily a factual representation of a situation. So to recognize that we can trust our body and its cues that are that it's giving us, but that our emotional response to something might not represent the factual situation. Our emotional health also includes our ability to recognize that your perspective and other people's perspectives are based on both of your unique sets of lived experiences and your understanding. And therefore, you will likely have different feelings about same situations. So meaning you are the only person that has ever had your specific set of lived experiences. And so when you experience a the same set of circumstances, you are likely to feel differently, even though it might be similar, your filter will give you a different set of emotional response than maybe the person next to you because of their unique lived experiences. Our emotional health also includes recognizing that your unique viewpoint and past lived experiences lends you to reading situations and people in a unique way as well. And to understand 
that that can be inaccurate depending on how you developed and how you were raised. So if you learned that when somebody has a specific look on their face, it means they're angry and you were taught to read people that way, you may at some point encounter somebody who has a different lived experiences and past than you have, and they have that look on their face and are not at all angry. And you have to learn not to have your emotions and feelings when people are angry triggered in you from that look on their face. So your ability to realize that sometimes we're oops, we missed, you know, on how somebody feels. Our ability to feel, to hold our emotions without judgment. And a really helpful place to start is to not label emotions, to not label emotions as good or bad or positive or negative. They are simply just a feeling that you are having. Our ability to understand that we might label an emotion that we might label as positive might be very difficult for somebody else to feel or experience. And so just recognizing that emotions are emotions and it's our our physiological response to something and they are not bad and or something to be embarrassed about. So also that would include your ability to hold your emotion whether anybody else around you is feeling that too, right? I cannot name for you the movies that I've sat through and cried in public, dry eye in the rest of the house, right? Sometimes we have a particular past thing that triggers us with a certain thing in our our current situation and nobody else shares that with us in this space. And it's okay to still hold that and feel that and emote and, and show that we're having an experience. This includes our ability to sit with our own personal uncomfortable emotions. And I would say I found that for myself personally, my family, my community, my clients, that Comfortable and uncomfortable is maybe the easiest or the most simplistic way to kind of, if you have to label an emotion, to label your emotions because it's a very individualized thing, right? It's easier to say, this feeling is really uncomfortable for me, not this is a a bad thing because that is kind of a more universal understanding. I'm explaining that very poorly, but I think you can probably grasp it. If you've made it this far, you can probably follow the chaos in my brain. And then lastly, that we'll talk about, it includes our willingness to make room to feel our feelings. So if you are in a space where it's not, would not be you know, acceptable or appropriate for you to kind of burst into tears or cry, being able to regulate that in the moment, but allowing yourself to go back to that later. It's really important to make room for our emotions. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today for the first half of discussing the five pillars of health. Next episode, we will be finishing those up. So join us then. And for now, I suppose, end scene, as they say, and I will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.